0: Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of carefully cultivated mini trees. I'm Paul Bresson.
1: And I'm Jason Neeling. And today our topic is bonsai. 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 Paul, well, what does bonsai mean? Small potted tree? Yeah, plant in a tray, basically. Plant in a tray. And uh, as Paul alluded to, It is an art form in which small trees are planted in shallow containers and cultivated to keep them small. Pretty cool. You've probably seen them before. But they're not just cultivated to be small. It's also important that they are shaped to look like full-size trees. Like, you don't want it to look like a baby tree. You want it to look like a real old tree, just smaller, right? Yeah. In a
0: way, I think that's pretty much the main point of it. Yeah. to get a really small tree that
1: proportionately mimics a normal tree. Right. It's like going outside and finding this huge, old, beautiful tree and bringing that home with you and just having a little tiny version of it. I think maybe the best way I heard it described
0: was it just looks like you're looking at a normal tree that's really far away.
1: Yeah, Totally. And you know, this miniaturization thing reminded me of an episode we did before. Oh, which one? Because
0: there's a lot of things that I feel like miniaturization and Japan go hand in hand.
1: I guess. The one that came to my mind was Japanese gardens, all about taking a huge landscape and bringing it into this small garden you can put in your backyard.
0: Oh, you're totally right. And I didn't even make that connection. But that's like, bonsai is like a Japanese garden in one plant.
1: Yeah. So I want to talk about the word bonsai a little bit.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I'm be able to say it bonsai correctly all episode long.
1: You don't have to. I'll forgive I, you if you say bonsai.
0: Yeah, that's what I've been calling them my whole life.
1: <laughs> that's what pretty much every American, I think, calls these little trees, bonsai. But uh, in Japanese, it would be pronounced bonsai. And bonsai is also a word in Japanese with a very different meaning. Bonsai would mean something like hooray. It's like a cheer sort of thing. Yeah. And you hear that in English too sometimes. But in English, like that bonsai and the bonsai trees are pronounced the same way. But in Japanese, different pronunciations, different things. Yeah. Spelled differently. Yes. Oh, yeah. I should spell them. Bonsai, the tree, B-O-N-S-A-I. And bonsai, the cheer, bonsai, B-A-N-Z-A-I.
0: Now I knew how Bonsai was correctly spelled, so I should have
1: realized that I was pronouncing it wrong, but I didn't. That's okay, Paul. <laughs> I forgive you. Thank you. So, growing bonsai—I'm to we are going to say bonsai. Did I say that? It's time now. Yeah, we're—we're we're American. Americans say bonsai, and growing bonsai can be a contemplative and meditative practice. And some people even cultivate a tree for decades. Or even pass them down for centuries. There are trees that have been passed down through families for generations. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, it's not just about having a little tree. It's about the whole process, the ongoing cultivation. And as it ages, it's going to get even cooler looking. So we've talked a bit
0: about the miniaturization. Another key theme in bonsai is asymmetry you're not really going to see two branches going off from the main trunk of a tree at the same level. Yeah. There's there's not going to be anything mirrored. It's all going to be asymmetrical.
1: Yeah, because just like Japanese gardens we talked about, you want it to look as natural as possible. You don't want it to look like you planned everything out, even though you definitely would plan everything out. Right.
0: Another important theme is leaving no trace of the artist. Just another way to have it appear completely natural. They shouldn't be able to tell, like,
1: oh, Jason designed
0: this tree. I can see his style in
1: it. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to see any evidence that any person was involved in shaping this tree or anything. Again, very similar to a concept we talked about in Japanese gardens. Yeah. It, it's, it's all part of the same aesthetic, you know, in Japanese minimalistic, natural aesthetic. Yeah, absolutely. Another important element is proportion. You want your tree to have the same proportions as a full-size tree. That's part of that illusion of making this little tree look like a fully grown tree.
0: Yeah. The trunk should be the thickest part of the tree. The branches on
1: the bottom should probably be longer than the branches on the top. Mm -hmm. And the size of the leaves is really important too. Yeah. It's not going to look like a full grown tree. If you got this little tiny trunk and then these giant leaves. Yeah. So there are ways to make sure that your tree has leaves or needles that are proportional to the tree itself.
0: Yep. Another theme common in bonsai is wabi-sabi, which is basically the acceptance of imperfection.
1: Yes. A very popular concept in Japanese aesthetics and all sorts of things. I mean, it's about the acceptance of transience and like nothing is forever you you make something beautiful and eventually it uh grows old and dies you know things always change i like that idea i i try to apply that to my life because i can be a bit of a control freak sometimes but it's good to remember that nothing is permanent you know nothing can be perfect so true except you bro oh <laughs> History time.
0: My favorite. I'll give you one guess where bonsai originated. Australia. Oh, sorry. I didn't get it. Is that close? Uh, you yeah, the right hemisphere. <laughs> There's two things I think that come up in every single episode. And this one's not the Tokugawas. It must be China then. Yes. <laughs> bonsai originally came to Japan from China. Yeah.
1: Guess who brought it over from China? <laughs> well, before I even get there, I have something a little further back than what you're getting at. Oh, yeah? How far back are we going? Well, again, this is one of those things where it's, you know, the very earliest idea. Like, it's not, it doesn't directly connect to the current world of bonsai or anything. Just kind of the first time that concept came up, you know? Okay, so around 206 BCE, an emperor in China wanted a tiny version of his entire empire created in his backyard. So, you, I mean, you could connect that to the idea of bonsai. You could also connect that to the idea of Japanese gardens. You know, we talked about the miniaturization thing. Yeah, And I'm not saying this one emperor started that whole idea, but it's a thing that happened, probably.
0: There seems to be there's often a folk tale about how something started. Yeah. But there's always like a grain of truth to it, and the timing is sometimes right. You know, so maybe around that time they started doing it, and then a hundred years later they came up with a story about it or something.
1: Yeah, maybe. But uh yeah, when when did the idea of bonsai come to Japan? I feel like I've said this probably at least ten times, but uh, around the sixth century, by Buddhist monks. Sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah, and the Chinese practice that came over is called penzai. You can kind of see where that word bonsai, bonsai, might have come from. Also, penjing, I guess, is another word for it. I'm not sure if there's some distinction between those two terms, but yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, over time, you started to see bonsai appear in Japanese art. So the original Chinese style that penzai included miniature figurines and decorations. It was more about like creating a whole landscape, not as much focus on a singular tree. But, you know, Japan, they like to take things and make them their own and refine the idea. So they evolved a simpler style focusing more on the tree itself. And this is supposed to have a lot to do with its connection with Japanese Zen Buddhism, which has a sort of minimalist aesthetic
0: yeah you can definitely see some of the zen ideals have uh made their way into bonsai yeah so the first known depiction of a bonsai plant in japan is from a scroll from 1195 though it had been in japan for a while before then Mm -hmm. but uh we have surviving evidence of them going back 800 years that's pretty cool
1: yeah and you know like all these other things that we've talked about that come from china at first it always seems to be i mean it first comes over with buddhism and then that kind of filters into the the courts yeah the aristocratic yeah, class the high class people and then over time you know often over centuries it slowly gets out into like hobbyists and then eventually to the general public yeah and
0: that's usually around uh like the Edo period yeah, so when there. there was enough wealth around that people could pick up hobbies like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. People had more time to focus on the arts and that kind of thing. Yeah. So around the 14th century, these little mini trees were called Hachinoki, which means the bowl's tree. You got a bowl with a tree in it. Okay. And they use deeper pots at this point than they eventually would as the bonsai art was refined. And there's actually a no play from around the turn of the fifteenth century, also called Hachinoki, about this poor samurai, and he was visited by a traveling monk. Did you hear this story, Paul? Yeah, I did. So the samurai he, he wants to be hospitable for this monk, but he doesn't have any firewood left. So he burned his last three potted trees to provide warmth. What a nice guy. Wow. And eventually He found out, it turned out that the monk was a disguised government official, and he rewarded this samurai for his generosity. So, apparently, this story, along with other popular media involving bonsai, helped spread the idea around Japan. And then bonsai cultivation reached a very high level in the next couple hundred years, and there are even still living bonsai dating back to the 1600s.
0: Yeah, there's a tree in the Tokyo Imperial Palace collection called Sandai Shogun no Matsu. It's a five-needle pine that's been cultivated since at least 1610. And it's known to have been cultivated by Tokugawa Iemitsu, who was the third Tokugawa Shogun.
1: There we go. We hit China and the Tokugawas. All right, let's call it an episode. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. See you next time.
0: Just kidding. It's amazing, though. It seems like every single episode.
1: They were important.
0: Yeah, major, major influence on Japan. Yeah,
1: Japan would be a very different place if it weren't for China and the Tokugawas. Yeah, that's for sure. So that's so cool. They've got a plant that's been tended for 500
0: years, it's- just like chilling in the imperial palace
1: yeah it's ridiculous especially when you consider how much careful tending it takes to keep these trees alive you know
0: yeah every day yeah every day for 500 years someone has paid attention to this tree it's crazy bonsai are so cool i don't know if we like hyped this episode enough up in the intro (laughs) because these are so cool and it's just going to keep coming all episode
1: yeah they really are incredible so by the end of the 18th century, bonsai cultivation started to become popular with the general public. Before that, it was mostly just high-class people, like we said. And Kyoto actually started holding exhibits every year where people would come from around Japan to display their bonsai, and then visitors would rank them. Kind of a bonsai competition. Ooh. Pretty exciting. Yeah, that's cool. So in the 1800s, things really took off, became widely popular. and this is actually the time period where that term bonsai came from, indicating a shallow container, but that word still wasn't used broadly for almost another century. In the Meiji period, when the emperor moved the capital to Tokyo, he displayed bonsai both inside and outside the palace and encouraged the art form. And as we've mentioned in other episodes, if the emperor is into something, that's a big deal. People yeah. are pay attention.
0: Yeah, that definitely sets the agenda for the nation in a way.
1: Yeah, That's uh, an interesting
0: fact. You know, Meiji's known so much for pushing westernization and modernization, but you still see the fact of them holding on to uniquely Japanese things and proudly showing them off.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: They started printing picture books and things of competitions too. I think it really kind of helps cement in that era that, that bonsai is an art form.
1: Yeah, yeah. So in the 1900s, a lot of new cultivation techniques were explored, like the idea of shaping your tree with wire. Before that, they were using string and a rope to shape the tree. But with the wire, you, you really have a lot of flexibility, pun totally intended, to uh, shape the tree exactly how you want to. There were also new cutting techniques. Sharper, more specialized blades can be used to graft branches onto trees and that kind of thing. People aren't using their katanas? I don't think that's quite the right tool for it. You could try. Maybe it's been done. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah, also more annual exhibitions popped up. By 1940, there were about 300 bonsai dealers that worked in Tokyo People were cultivating around 150 different species of trees as bonsai. And each year, thousands of specimens were shipped to Europe and the U.S. So it had pretty much become a worldwide phenomenon at this point. World War II slowed things down a bit, of course. Yep. But after the war, it sprung back pretty quickly and continued to spread. In the 1980s, they started having World Bonsai Conventions... And the World Bonsai Friendship Federation was inaugurated. (laughs) The WBFF? Yeah, the World (laughs) BFF. (laughs) That's cool. Uh, And now they have World Bonsai Conventions every four years. The most recent one was in 2017. Okay. These days, you can find books about bonsai in at least 26 languages. The trees are popular pretty much everywhere. There are around 1,500 clubs and associations worldwide and over 5 million unassociated hobbyists. Yeah, there's a
0: ton of English language information on bonsai out there.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not hard to find. Yeah.
0: So there's quite a few different ways you can grow your tree. Yeah. There's
1: some well-defined styles. A lot of them. <laughs> yeah, we'll touch upon some of them here. Yeah, and you can even combine styles. Like there'll be one style for the roots and a different style for the rest of the tree. I mean, these are all just ideas, different ways that people have come up with of growing your tree. And you can mix and match and kind of do whatever you want. Like you can make any kind of tree you can imagine.
0: Yeah, that's a good note that the styles can definitely cross. You can have a tree that's multiple styles. Mm -hmm. One of the more common styles is called formal upright which is chokan, or something like that in Japanese. I think you did good. And uh, the formal upright style is characterized by a straight upright trunk that's bigger at the bottom and tapers towards the top. And the branches progress regularly from thick, broad branches in the bottom to smaller and finer branches at the top of the tree.
1: Yeah, think like a perfect Christmas tree.
0: Yeah, what you would expect kind of a tree to grow like. Yeah. And then there's the one that reminded me of you, Jason.
1: Okay. I'm going to save my judgment until uh, I know exactly what you mean by that. The informal upright style known as moyogi. Do you feel like informal upright is a description that, that <laughs> Yeah, that fits yeah, me well? that's
0: that's why I got the Jason style. You're upright cuz you got All your stuff together, but you're like chill and informal and not like a uptight person. Okay. I'm going to take that as a compliment. Thank you, Paul. That was intended as one. (laughs) So in the Jason style, I mean, in the informal upright style of bonsai, a tree is going to incorporate visible curves in the trunk and branches, but it's still going to grow generally upwards.
1: Yeah, like the the tip of the tree is going to be right above the base of the tree, but it could take some curves and turns to get there. Yeah, it takes a little neandering
0: path. Yep. And those are pretty common. You see a lot of those. What else we got?
1: What were some of yours you saw? Well, if you're not so upright, you might want to go with a slanting. Oh, style. that's the paul. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> I I'm I'm standing upright, but I'm it's not quite straight. Okay. It's the Shakan style. That's what that's called in Japanese. And you got a straight trunk, just like that formal upright, first one. But it comes out of the soil at an angle, like a 45 degree angle or so. And the branches coming off of that trunk are going to be parallel to the ground. So this one looks pretty cool. You got like these different levels of branches, you know, some leaves popping out of those. Kind of like little clouds almost floating by each other, you know? Yeah. It's a pretty cool style. Yeah.
0: Another style that's really cool. I think is I know where you're going. The cascade.
1: Yeah. It is super, super cool. What's so cool about the cascade? So this one, you you got the trunk coming out of the soil, but it's gonna bend. And it's not just gonna bend till it's like slanted. It's gonna keep bending until it's going like down. And then yeah. the thing that makes it a full cascade is if the tip of the tree is below the base of the pot. So, I mean, it's just reaching way down there. This kind of like simulates a tree that's just holding on to the edge of a cliff or something, growing straight out and just barely holding on, you know? Yeah, it
0: just grows in a U-turn. Yeah. But it grows long enough that it goes over the pot and then
1: underneath the pot. Yeah. Not like directly underneath it necessarily, but lower than that level of the base of it.
0: When I saw some pictures of it, it reminded me of like crashing waves kind of. Hmm. Like flowing over the top of the pot and then all the leaves are down there because that's where like the top of the tree is actually below the pot. It's really interesting.
1: Yeah, it's a very cool style.
0: Or you can get the semi-cascade, which is where the top of the tree ends about even with the pot.
1: Yeah, at or below the lip of the pot. And uh, I didn't say the Japanese words for these. Oh, yeah. So the full cascade is kengai, semi cascade is han kengai. So does han mean semi or part of or something like that, probably? Yep. Like half. I'm learning Japanese. Yeah, it's kind of fun how we, the more we research these different terms and different topics, you start to see how they fit together and how you, know, you just see different elements of the language pop up. Yeah.
0: You can get a sense for the structure of a language without even knowing a lot of the words if
1: you see the language enough. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah, Paul, did you see anything about shoddy? Yeah, that's a really interesting
0: one. It's probably one I never ever would have thought of myself in a mm-hmm. hundred years. Yeah, but the shari. Is a style involving the portrayal of a tree in its struggle to live while a significant part of its trunk is bare bark or bare of bark.
1: Yeah. And dead, even. Like you can basically intentionally kill parts of the tree to make it look like it's, yeah, just barely holding on to life. Yeah. I saw a lot of examples of this and like they look
0: dead, but then it's got all the popping leaves up top.
1: Yeah. The trunk looks dead. Yeah, or sometimes you might see dead wood on the front side of it, but then the living part is actually behind it. That yeah. might be how they're doing it. They're using the dead wood to like hide the new growth. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's got to yeah. be something like that. Yeah, there are a lot of really interesting ways to use this style. And you can actually like carve the wood. You're almost sculpting the tree by hand with a knife to make it look dead and old. Yeah, you're just going in there and
0: mutilating it and like creating scar tissue and dead wood. Yeah. It's really artistic and it makes you think. But like for me, it like doesn't
1: look as beautiful. It looks cool. Well, it creates that illusion that it's like a super, super old tree, right? True, yeah. It looks like a thousand-year-old tree. Yeah, I think this element can look super, super cool, especially when it's combined with other styles like the cascade, you know? You said that the shoddy portrays the trees struggle to live. That combined with the cascade where it's just hanging onto a rock. Yeah. I, th- I think that's really cool. Yeah. It looks like one of the most difficult styles to grow. Be hard enough to do the dead wood without killing the tree and hard enough to make the cascade while keeping the tree alive. To do both of those together, that must be one of the hardest types Yeah, make, I I think. That'd be crazy. I feel like I might go for, I'd either go
0: for the slant or the informal upright. hmm so there's some other styles that you can combine with these other styles. And the one that I thought was pretty cool was the root over rock, which is where you take your tree and you basically stick it on top of a rock and you wrap the roots around it and into the soil so that the roots are just growing around a rock. Mm-hmm. It's called seki Joju.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. And uh, there's another very similar style too. You can have a tree actually growing in a rock. I think that's even more cool. (laughs) And how does that work? How do you do that? So you have like cracks in the rock and you can fill those with soil and then the roots are growing like in these cracks of the rock. That's so cool. That's so inventive. Yeah. Like I'm just
0: going to ram some soil into these cracks in a rock and grow a tree. Yeah. I've seen some
1: of them that have like moss covering part of the rock too. Those ones are so cool. They look so cool. Yeah. You can even use moss on the trunk of the tree too. That must be super hard to do, but that makes it look super old too.
0: That's probably my favorite type, but I feel like that'd be too hard to like try right away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd be tempted to just go for the hardest possible tree to make. You got the roots in the rock, right? You got the cascade. You got the dead wood. You got the moss. Cascading over the rock. Just go all out. Oh, wow. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Yeah. So if you're into multiple trees, you might want to try a style called forest style. So you have multiple trees of the same species in one pot. So you can make, you know, a miniature forest in your pot. That's cool. You don't seem to see that as often, but it'd be fun to experiment, you know, with multiple trees. Yeah. I remember seeing one when I lived in LA, there was a a bonsai nursery that I checked out that had some really amazing stuff and i remember one that was just these like vertical really old looking trees in this forest style like there were maybe five of them together and they just looked like these ancient redwoods that's like really tall and straight you know all the leaves are way up at the top and they made the trunks look really old somehow really impressive this style can look really cool but of course if you have five trees your pot is generally going to be bigger like this would be one of the bigger ones to display. Yeah. Uh, There's
0: another one I like called multi-trunk style, where it's the same root system, but they split it off into two different trunks. So it almost looks like two different trees coming out, but it's actually a single tree. Yeah. Those can look pretty cool too.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And, you know, we've talked about how a lot of it's about mimicking nature. There's even a style that's called raft style. ikadabuki. It's uh, where the style mimics uh, where the tree falls over, but stays alive. And then all the new branches grow out of the top side of the tree. So you're basically going to bend your bonsai tree all the way over to like the trunks just running along the ground.
1: That's so cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. So that one can be pretty cool, too. Pretty artistic, I think.
1: Yeah, for sure. I highly recommend, even if you've seen bonsai trees before, just Google some of these specific styles. It's incredible what people can do. People have come up with styles to mimic pretty much any type of tree you could possibly find in nature.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about cultivating a bonsai tree.
1: How do you get started if you want to grow one? Well, the first thing you're going to need is a specimen. A specimen. I yeah. like that. You need your source material. And this could be a lot of different things. You could start with a cutting of another plant. You could start with a seedling. Or you could just go find a small tree at a nursery or something. So what's a cutting of a plant? I don't know if everyone knows what that is. So a cutting is basically when you take a piece of a pre-existing plant and you put it in some soil and make it take root.
0: Yeah, snip off a healthy tip of a branch
1: and plant it. Mm-hmm. And you've got yourself a clone of that plant. Yeah, and you'll almost never start from a seed for bonsai because bonsai trees are supposed to look aged. They're supposed to look real old and ancient. So the source plant that you start with is usually at least partially grown and you start turning it into a bonsai tree. Yeah. And it's also important to choose a suitable species. I mean, you can make any plant small, but there are certain qualities that the species should have to make it best for bonsai. So we talked about proportion, how that was important. You want something that makes small leaves, right? So the most popular species are those ones with the small leaves or needles to keep the scale, the proportions looking right. Yep, And I also want to point out, it's a common misconception with bonsai that these trees are dwarfed, like they're genetically modified to be small. Not true. No, not at all. They're just the same. Like if you have a bonsai oak tree, it's exactly the same genetically as a full grown enormous oak tree. It's the cultivation that keeps it small. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you should pick a tree that grows well in the environment you live in. Yeah. Like you're going to grow it outside. So it needs to
1: be able to thrive in the environment that you're in. Right. So once you've chosen your plant, your specimen, you're going to trim a lot of its roots away, which seems counterintuitive, perhaps. You might think that you're killing it, but you actually want to remove like two thirds of the roots that it started with. And the reason for that is I mean, one, you're going to fit it into this little pot. And a lot of those roots are for stability. The plant is putting out these roots to grab onto soil so it doesn't fall over. But you're not going to need those when you're potting your bonsai because you just need those roots to make sure that it gets enough nutrients and water.
0: Yeah. There's a root called the tap root that runs straight down from the trunk on most trees. And it's big and thick. Mm-hmm. It's just there to help root the tree in place. Yeah. So you just clip that thing right off. It's just extra unneeded space taker-upper in your bonsai pot.
1: Right. And once you trim off those roots, you're going to need to pot the plant. And the potting is very important. You're going to want to start with a bigger pot than you're going to end up with at the end to encourage some root growth. Like You want to make sure that it can soak up all those nutrients to keep it alive. But as you shape it and it matures over time, you're going to be transferring it to different pots And once you get to a certain point, when it's around what you want the final size to be, then you can transfer it to a formal bonsai container, its final home, which is usually like a ceramic pot that will have vertical sides. The reason for the vertical sides is you need to be able to remove the tree easily in case you need to further trim the roots or check for pests or... You need to replant them every so often. Yeah. It's also very important that your pot has holes in the bottom to drain water.
0: You don't want to drown your plant in a pot that doesn't drain.
1: Yep. Then it's dead and you failed. Got to start all over. (laughs) Yep. Um, There's often a screen over those holes at the bottom too, which prevents soil from falling out and might help prevent pests from getting in and messing with your roots. I also saw that you can run a wire up through the drainage hole especially when you're first starting out, to give that tree some stability. Like you can help it hold itself upright now that you've chopped off that tap root that we were talking about. Yep. And you know, in the beginning, it might not matter as much. You're mostly worried about keeping the plant alive and shaping it. But eventually, when you get to the point where you're going to want to display your plant, you can think of the pot as a picture frame. It's an important part of the aesthetics. You should choose a pot that complements the tree. Yeah. So you'll find pots of all different shapes and sizes and colors, and you'll you'll choose that depending on your tree. Yeah.
0: What fits your vision of what you're trying to express with your tree? Exactly. The look that you're imagining that you're trying to bring to life.
1: Yeah. So what about soil, Paul? That's, that's important, right? Yeah.
0: It's just a couple notes about the soil. One is that, again, depending on which plant you picked- you just got to balance the right soil and nutrient mix for that plant. Just so do a little bit of research about what your plant needs. Um, the other main thing is I saw it was generally recommended to mix three or four parts soil with one part pebbles or some sort of crushed rock to provide for extra drainage and also
1: to help the roots
0: separate as they grow too.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's really important. It is fast draining because, again, you don't want to drown your plant, make the roots rot. And in Japan specifically, a lot of times they use volcanic soil that has those perfect qualities because there are a lot of volcanoes in Japan. I just start playing Civ 6
0: and you get extra food bonuses in tiles near volcanoes. Oh, nice. Because it's a rich land. soil. Yep. Cool. But then if the volcano blows up, you lose all your
1: stuff. Yeah, that's how it works, I guess. Yep, then you just rebuild. <laughs> Pros and cons of volcanoes, right? <laughs> ride it ride it while you can until it erupts. Are your people happier because they have all those hot spring baths around too? Yep, until they die. Really? In the game, do they do that? Yeah.
0: There's uh, some sort of like hot springs you can build or something later in the game if you're near a volcano, I think.
1: Cool. Yeah, yeah. Hmm.
0: I just started playing it, though. I haven't got too deep.
1: Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Uh, So once your specimen is near its final size, like I said, you're going to plant it in a display pot and then its growth is going to be restricted by that environment. So it's not going to be growing much bigger than it already is. And these final pots are usually under 25 centimeters or 10 inches in their largest dimension and between two and 10 liters in volume. Hmm. Interesting. So now you're done and you just need to water it and it just stays the same forever, right Paul? You need to mold it to fit your image and
0: take care of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of different techniques that you can use to turn this tree into exactly what you want. So, you're going to want to prune the trunk and the branches and the roots. Yeah. You're probably going to cut a lot of branches off. Yeah.
0: You only want to leave the perfect branches and let those grow full.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of care put into shaping. Everything about this tree, every little thing you're going to want to pay attention to, and people will space the branches apart so that you can see all of them. They're going to have branches pointing towards the back and branches pointing forward so that you have a sense of depth. You really have full control over how you want to shape this thing. Yeah, you can do it how
0: you want, but it seemed like it was almost a little bit standard. I don't know if that's the right word for the first branch is going to go either left or right from your perspective from the front. And then the if it goes right, your second branch is going to be a little bit higher up the tree and go left. And then your third branch is probably going to go backwards. And then the cycle kind of repeats if you have more branches.
1: Right. Yeah. Each of those styles we talked about has kind of a prescribed set of rules that you can bend a little bit, depending on your personal vision, but yeah, there's like an ideal way that the style is supposed to be employed.
0: Yeah, you got to keep that asymmetry in mind, where nothing's mirroring itself.
1: Yep. And to keep that proportion correct, you're going to want to trim leaves to encourage the growth of smaller leaves. If you got some big leaves, you just pluck those off, it starts growing smaller ones back. Yep. Uh, I mentioned wire. Wire is used a lot these days to shape the tree, and you know, the earlier you use the wire, the better. Like you can't have this big, thick trunk and then use wire to try to bend it. You know, it's best to guide the growth of the tree as it grows. Yeah. You can wire it up as soon as you plant it. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're doing one of those styles
0: where the trunk is bending or where the trunk's even laying flat on the ground, you're going to have to wire that thing up like right away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you can use clamps too, to shape the trunk and branches. But if you're using the clamps and wire, it's really important to pay close attention that you're not permanently scarring the tree. Because if you if you wrap a wire around a branch and then you just forget about it for a month, you come back and that wire is going to be like imprinted into the branch. And one of those big elements we talked about is you want no trace of the artist, right? You, yeah. you want to make it look like you you didn't have any involvement. The tree just grew this way naturally. Yep. That seemed like one of the most complicated things about it getting that
0: just right if you don't have the wire snug the tree is just going to grow however it wants but if you have it too tight it's going to hurt the tree so Mm -hmm. you got to find that just right i feel like that's the skill where you'd have to practice a little bit till you kind of like got a hang of it
1: yeah yeah i got that impression too that every little thing every element that goes into growing this tree there's a sweet spot a certain balance that you need to hit. And if you go too far in either direction, you're going to kill the tree. You got to water it the perfect amount. You got to have soil that drains fast enough, but not too fast. You got to shape the tree very carefully, especially if you're doing the riskier stuff like grafting branches onto it or cutting away pieces of wood. It'd be so nerve wracking. I would be constantly stressed out about accidentally killing this tree. Yeah. So you brought up grafting. That's part that blew my mind. I didn't even think people did stuff like that. Yeah. So grafting lets you add branches. And one thing that I saw that just sounds so cool is that you could graft a female branch onto a male tree. So then this tree can fertilize itself. And now you have this tiny tree that produces flowers and fruit. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. That's
0: crazy. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could stick a branch on another tree and grow it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really wild. It is. I learned
1: something. It was fun researching this one. Yeah. bonsai are just too cool. So those are some cultivation techniques, the ways that you can shape it to your will. But for any kind of tree, no matter what the shape, there are a lot of special care instructions you need to follow to keep that tree alive. Because that small scale affects a lot of different aspects of the tree's biology. It can't just grow without anybody paying attention to it, like a tree in the forest. Right. So watering and fertilizing must be regular. And the regularity of the amount that you're watering it and fertilizing it depends a lot on the species of tree. Some like drier soil, some like wetter soil. In
0: general, I think you're going to water every day,
1: partly because it's
0: such a small pot too, mm-hmm. and it's got a small root system. The water is going to run through pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So you're generally going to need to water every day. I think often even twice if it's a hot day out.
1: Yeah. And that kind of goes hand in hand with location, which is also very important. Most bonsai cannot survive indoors all year long. Right. Trees don't do well inside. Yeah. So it's best to have a place outside for them where they can get just the right amount of sun. And again, that's going to depend on the species. And also the amount of sun that it gets is going to affect how much you need to water it, how often you need to water it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If it's a newly planted tree, you're probably going to want to put it in a a bit of a shady area Mm -hmm. so it doesn't cook. Yep. If it's older, it might be able to handle a little more sun. But of course, depends on what tree you're planted.
1: Yeah. It all depends. Got to find that sweet spot for your specific plant.
0: So you generally have to keep them outside in winter too because they don't last very long inside and because... The natural growth cycles kind of need to be dictated by the environment, but you do need to be careful when it gets really cold, especially when it's a new plant too, mm-hmm. because the root system's so small, it can all freeze up. So if we like grew bonsai here, we probably would have to take them inside a lot of nights, maybe even some days
1: we'd have to leave them inside in the winter. Yeah. And there are a lot of species that we probably would not be able to use at all. Yeah, we'd have to get some northern pine tree that was hardy or something. Yeah. But I'm sure there's I'm sure there's some around. Yeah. Another thing to note with the sunlight is that you want to be sure to rotate your tree so that all sides get sun too. You can't just have it sitting in one spot in the same position all the time. Yeah,
0: that's a good note. Um, you got to watch for pests. Mm-hmm. You know, if you find bugs, you can sometimes just brush them away, I saw, mm-hmm. which is cool.
1: But uh, you just got to keep an eye on that. Don't let him eat up your tree. Definitely. And yeah, one of the most mind blowing things about bonsai, especially these several centuries old ones, is that this care never ends. You have to be tending to this thing every single day. I mean, yeah. potentially for centuries. You know, I read that there are people like people that are really into bonsai and have a bunch of trees. Basically, you can never go on vacation unless you have somebody that you really trust. It will take care of your trees for you while you're gone.
0: Yeah, they miss watering for a day or two, and your years-old bonsai is just dead. Yeah. Just dead. That would that would be tough. Yeah. All right, so you've grown a bonsai. You've taken good care of it. You've styled it. Now you want to display it to the public and show it off. Let people enjoy the art. Mm-hmm. There's uh, some things you have to keep in mind when displaying your bonsai tree. We did mention earlier that the bonsai is supposed to look like the miniature depiction of a real tree, so you don't want it sitting too high or too low, usually. The perspective will just look off if you're looking way down at it or way up at it. You want it to be probably near eye level somewhere, depending on the tree, of
1: course. Yep. And we, we alluded to this, I think. Bonsai trees always have a front and a back. Yes. When you're shaping that tree, you're going to be thinking about one specific angle that it will be viewed from. Always from that angle. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's standard to contemplate one bonsai at a time. So if there's multiple bonsai around, it's common to put up a divider between them or space them out in some way so that you can focus on just one at a time and really take it in.
1: So many outdoor displays are semi-permanent and you want to make sure to put your tree in a place that accentuates the tree. Like I talked about how the pot is kind of a picture frame for the tree, but you also have to think about what's surrounding the tree and the pot and just make sure it accentuates it properly. What's the
0: pot on? What's behind it? Where's the other view? Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. And you also want it to be in a place that gets the right amount of sunlight, like we said, doesn't get too much wind or precipitation. Yeah. It might seem trivial to just find a place to put your tree, but there are a lot of factors to consider. Yeah, you could just maybe
0: grow it in the corner of your porch, but that's not where you'd want to display it. Yeah. Yeah, try to find some place that meets both needs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's indoor displays as well, and these tend to be temporary because as we mentioned, most bonsai don't do well inside. Mm-hmm. But you can bring it in to be a centerpiece on your table or to just be shown. At any fans.
1: Yeah. And actually in traditional Japanese homes, Paul, have you seen this where there's the formal tatami room and then there's kind of a little display alcove in that room. A lot of times you'll see like a wall scroll there, maybe a little flower or something. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, it does. So a lot of times people will bring a bonsai tree inside to display with a wall scroll in that little alcove and they'll have another small companion plant. And those kind of all come together to create certain mood for the specific season. Yeah. Like I
0: heard, the companion plant is usually in the foreground, the bonsai in the center, and then the scroll hanging on the wall behind just gives more depth and mm-hmm.
1: helps you focus on the bonsai. Yep. And these displays are usually very temporary, though, because again, the tree isn't going to last long indoors. Might just leave it there for a few days. Yeah. So my only
0: question for you, Jason, is are you going to start growing a bonsai this spring
1: or are you going to wait until you retire? <laughs> you know me so well, Paul. <laughs> you know, when I first saw that, uh, that bonsai nursery in LA, yeah. I, was, I was smitten with bonsai trees. I'm like, I need to grow one of these someday. But I also like traveling a lot. Yep. And, you know, if I'm going to be going to Japan or other places hard to take care of a tree. So when I retire, I'm going to be getting a bonsai tree and I'm going to be getting a puppy so I can stay home and take care of the two of them. And that'll take up all my free time and life will be perfect. Nice. That's nice. my plan. You'll just have cute puppy and a beautiful tree. Yep.
0: Life will be good.
1: Looking forward to it. Nice. Nice. What about you? You're going to grow a bonsai? Yeah. Probably once I retire. Yeah our trees can be friends. We'll let them hang out together. Yeah. Maybe a little <laughs> field trips. Yeah. You know? So if you want to grow your own bonsai, feel like you're up to the challenge. There's a ton of information online, of course, in English and a lot of other languages, I'm sure. YouTube has a lot of good videos. Bonsaiforbeginners.com seems to be a good resource. can help get you started. And you might even be able to find local groups that you can get involved with. Especially if you live in a place like LA. A lot of Japanese people there. I'm sure there are several bonsai groups there. And maybe in other big cities around the world too. Uh, Of course it's going to be easier to get started if you live in a warm climate like we said. But it is possible to grow indoors if you have no other choice. Just be very careful about the species that you choose. Yeah, you might need a heat lamp for it or something. Yeah, maybe. So we're getting towards the end here. I just had a few super old trees I wanted to mention. I thought were pretty cool. Oh yeah? Yep. Yeah. So in Tokyo, there is a museum, the Shunkaien Bonsai Museum that has two of the oldest trees in the world. Okay. Over 800 years old. Ooh. Have they been bonsai for 800 years, do you know? That's a good question because a lot of times when you see when you hear about the age of these trees, they're testing for the age of that specific plant, but a tree could have been growing for a while before it was bonsai before it started being cultivated to be a tiny tree. Yeah. So it's it's hard to say exactly. All you can really tell for sure is how old the plant is, not how long it's been cultivated.
0: That's crazy.
1: 800
0: years old. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. They get older, though. Paul, did you hear anything about Omiya, Japan?
0: Yeah, there's a bunch of bonsai gardens there.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty famous place for bonsai. There's a juniper tree there that's over a 1,000 years old. Wow. Yeah, it's at the Monsei Bonsai Nursery, one of the six famous bonsai gardens in Omiya. Wow, six famous bonsai gardens.
0: So I guess it's Omiya if you want to like go see... Some of the best bonsai.
1: Yeah, I got to check that out. I'm pretty sure I've taken a train through Omiya a bunch of times, but I never actually stopped there, looked around. Omiya, is that near Tokyo? Yeah, yeah. Omiya Station's not too far. I think we might pass through it on the way to Kawagoe. We may have. Uh, Another super old one. There is a ficus at the Crespi Bonsai Museum in Italy. That is also over a thousand years old. Wow, in Italy. Yeah. And that one was originally from China, apparently. Okay. So yeah, they can get really old. Oh, and that one in Italy, I saw a picture of that one. And it might just be the perspective of the picture kind of messing with me, but it looked pretty big. Like it was on this table. It might've been like a three or four foot wide tray. It is crazy. You you should look it up. Okay. Crespi, C-R-E-S-P-I, Bonsai Museum. Find a picture of it. It's... Probably the biggest bonsai tree I've ever seen. Okay. But you can still tell it's, it's a little bonsai. tree. Bonsai. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I got one more thing to say in this episode. It's a tangentially relevant fun fact. All right. Okay. Paul, have you ever heard of a bonsai kitten? No. Bonsai kitten was a joke website made by an MIT student. In uh, the early 2000s, might have been like 99 or 2000, somewhere around there. Okay. They claimed to provide instructions on how to raise a kitten in a jar. Okay. So the idea was the bones of the kitten would mold to the shape of the jar as it grew. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And they had like fake pictures of these little kittens stuffed into these jars and their skulls are all deformed and stuff. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, of course animal rights organizations saw that and took it seriously and went crazy. And, uh, the controversy got so big that the FBI actually got involved and investigated (laughs) to see if it was real. No one knew what a troll was in 1999. (laughs) Yeah. That was the early days of internet culture. But yeah, I mean, obviously it was all fake, but, uh, but even once these animal rights groups found out that it was fake, they were still saying, like, it encourages animal cruelty that's really messed up. Oh, yeah. They're, they'd
0: have a problem with that. Yeah. Even knowing it was fake.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I not know. I thought that was interesting. Involves the word bonsai. That is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Bonsai cat. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all
0: I got. If any of you out there are growing a bonsai or start growing a bonsai, Please take a picture, put it on Instagram and tag us because I want to see.
1: Yeah. And or send us an email. I want to hear about what that experience is like. You know, how difficult is it really? Did the reality meet your expectations? Was it harder to grow than you thought? Let us know. Feedback at sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. And to all of our listeners, not just the ones with bonsai trees, if you want to do us a favor. It would be super awesome and helpful, and we would love you forever. I mean, we already love you forever, but we might love you even a little bit more. If you go to wherever you found the podcast, give us a rating. If you have a few extra seconds, maybe even write a little review, something to let people know what you think of the podcast. That would really help us out. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be cool. So yeah, I guess that's all I have to say. Paul, what are we talking about next time? On the next episode, we're going to be talking about themed restaurants. Should be fun. There are a lot of unusual restaurants in Tokyo, especially. Yeah, there's a few really fun ones. Yeah, it'll be fun. Thanks for listening. See you next time.